everyone. Welcome to our podcast of Crag Gals, where we are gals talking about crags, um, aka climbing. I'm Carolyn DeRosa, and with me is my co-host, Emma Shefford. Hello. How are you, Emma? Doing pretty good. Doing good? Yeah. Are you ready to introduce yourself, or do you want me to introduce myself? You you go for it. This is okay. Your, this is your thing. You got it. Um, well, my name is Carolyn DeRosa. Um, for context, I am a junior with sophomore credits here at Penn State University. Um my major is film and television production with minors in uh, music technology and also English. Um, I've only been climbing for about a year, but I love it and I love the outdoors. Um, I love nature and swimming. I love paddleboarding and surfing and hiking and camping. And um, every episode, we're going to have a spontaneous fun fact. So my spontaneous fun fact for the day is that I have a Basin Hound um, back in my hometown. Nice. Little dog. Yeah. Awesome. What about you, Emma? Well, my name is Emma. I am a current third year here at Penn State, a uh, biology major with marine science minor. Uh, I've been climbing for about five years, and I completely love this sport. Um, so glad that I get to be a part of it here at Penn State. And then if we're doing fun facts, my fun fact is that I have a 105-pound Bernadoodle. Bern- That's what it's called? I was about to ask, what is your dog like? Yeah, a Bernadoodle. So he is so half Bernese Mountain Dog and half Standard Poodle. Oh my God. And he's only is- supposed to be 80 pounds, so I don't really know what, what happened. He's just on steroids. <laughs> <laughs> kind of, yes. You just gave him too much food. Um, so yeah, awesome. Um, so this is a brand new podcast. Um, we are both students here at the uh, University of Pennsylvania State. Not even University of Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania State University. The Pennsylvania State University. PSU, <laughs> we are. Um, so, um, what, like, basically, Emma, like, uh, we got together earlier this summer, and I was like, we should do a podcast. Yeah. Because you have good energy. <laughs> uh, well, I appreciate that, and yeah. I, I mean, I love all things climbing, and I think this will be a great way for us to share mm-hmm. our love of climbing with the greater community and kind of bring a positive force. Yeah. Especially for women in climbing. Yes. In in our community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Pretty much, like, I was just kind of hoping that this can be, like, a space for people in our club and people who may be interested in our club to kind of hear things about climbing and also, like, give us, like, more of a space as women to talk about more things that are in climbing, too. Yeah, totally. So, yeah. Well, thanks for having me. I'm yeah. excited about this. Thank you. Um, for our viewers, Emma uh, will be here definitely for the fall semester, and then we're still figuring out stuff about the spring, but where are you going in the spring, Emma? I will be studying abroad at Jeez. the National University of Ireland in Galway. He's going to a potato farm. Yeah, in I Ireland. am going to the good old potato. Good old potatoes. Potato country. <laughs> <laughs> well, or should I say potato famine country? Because they didn't have potatoes for a while. That's awkward. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So, yeah. Um, we're still figuring out if we're going to have Emma via Zoom or if we're going to have another co-host for the spring semester. Um, so be on the lookout for that if you're looking to listen to us um, bi-weekly as of now. Um, yeah, to our bi-weekly episodes. Yeah, sweet. So yeah, um, so yeah, during this podcast, we'll be talking about training, like mental and physical. We'll be talking about meditation. We'll be having um, a lot of talk about accident prevention and injury prevention, um, especially in our weekly highlights of um, climbing accidents. Those will be from the books Alpining and Mountaineering 2011 and 2014 edition, with the exception of today's episode. Um, We'll be talking about important outdoor climbing achievements, current climbing news. We'll share stories of climbers making a difference in their communities, styles of climbing, uh, classic indoor and outdoor like debate in climbing, um, and then climbing access- accessibility. So anything that kind of like falls under those topics, we'll be kind of dishing out here and there as the weeks go on and yeah. as you know as we discover new things. Cool. So yeah. Um, we're going to first talk about climbing news, mainly, uh, Coper 2022. If you're brand new to the, um, climbing circuit or climbing community, um, the IFSC, the International Federation of Sport Climbing, um, has world championships every year regarding, um, climbing. So they have lead championships, they have bouldering championships, they have speed championships, and they also have all three mixed together. Um, so this year... Or this year, um, there is an important lead competition in Koper, Slovenia. I hope I'm pronouncing that. Or Kope. I don't know how to pronounce it. Never been over there, so I couldn't tell yeah, you. Yeah, we, we're not <laughs> Slovenian. Also, right now, we just want to make it very clear that we are Americans. Yes. We, we, 
our whole country as well as us have a bad habit of not pronouncing things <laughs> correctly apologies so in advance if we pronounce your name wrong please let us know um we don't want to pronounce y'all's names wrong but also like google never tells me how to pronounce y'all's names sometimes so if anything just come let us know uh we're open to pronouncing things right but at first we might get it wrong um so we're going to talk about uh cobra 22 mainly how this was such a challenging weed competition if you're not familiar with weed climbing or sport climbing the basic premise is instead of being attached to a rope that goes over a pulley kind of like a pulley system or like an anchor um you take up the rope with you and you clip it into these little things called quick draws kind of like your basic carabiners that you can get at walmart if you want to get like a picture they're not actual carabiners from Walmart. But, um, <laughs> yeah, imagine imagine the people showing up to the crag with some plastic Walmart carabiners <laughs> to climb lead on. <laughs> that would be a sight. That would be a sight. We would have to talk about that in our climbing accident segments. We when will that have goes to, wrong. Yeah, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna have a couple of probably uh, carabiner accident sections. <laughs> I'd actually love to talk about that because I think carabiners are so cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, yeah, basically where you take the rope up with you as you go. Um, and you clip into little quick draws um, as you go up. So, for example, if I'm climbing five feet ago above a quick draw and I can't clip or I can't make it to the next clip, when I fall, I'll fall the five feet um, that I'm away from the quick draw and then whatever slack is in the rope and then a little bit like of a foot extra until my belayer catches me. Um, in these climbing terms, we'll be talking about a little bit more as we go on. But just to kind of give you all a basic premise, that's kind of what happens. So this was a very challenging lead composition, competition, mainly because neither the men nor the women ended up topping any of the routes given wow, to them. Wow, any of the routes. Any of them, yeah. I, I don't think that's, I've ever seen that before. Yeah, um, it's happened a couple times. I think, oh man, it was in one of like the first lead competitions this year where even Yana Garnbrett couldn't like even um like top the route yeah. but i know the ifsc has been under a lot of criticism lately mm. actually because um a lot of their routes have been very sendable um and even um it ended up coming like, a lot of these competitions in the weed circuit ended up coming down to who completed the route the fastest and a lot of people were like this is not speed climbing right. why do we have to now worry about the time hmm. um so yeah um this this um championship ended up uh in first place with gold was i mori from japan yanni garnbrit with the silver from sylvania and brooke ravitu from the united states of america Woo, Woo! go, go brooke. brooke um yeah. also apparently um during um her stay in sylvania brooke had to go to the hospital during her stay in sylvania due to food poisoning she opened about Thanks. it up on instagram um, I don't have her exact post pulled up because I can't log into my Instagram, but, <laughs> um, she basically was like, oh my gosh, this is, there was a lot of highs and lows, um, during this comp, but she ended up getting bronze. And I want to say, girl, yeah, you did her. good. You did good. I don't think good. I could even like walk around and go to class if I had food poisoning. Food poisoning. She's, you know, placing in a lead comp. Yeah. I don't know if she, um, got the food poisoning, like had to go to the hospital after or before like the champion, like, or before finals. I'm guessing for dramatic effect, I'm going to say before, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because we love she Brooke. She still climbs. Um, but yeah, testing. Brooke, you did great. We love you. Keep doing what you're doing. Be a good, be a good, be a good climber. Um, but this also kind of leads into the conversation about, um, a lot of pressure that's been building up, especially in the women's side of climbing. And what a lot of uh, female climbers have been talking about lately, which is the adding pressure as time goes on and as club, uh, as climbing becomes more popular, that a lot of women are facing a lot of pressure from the international community to do well and to send well and to do all these things. So I don't know, Emma, what do you think about that? Yeah, I think definitely given that sport climbing has now made its appearance in the Olympics, mm -hmm. climbing is on a much more global scale than it ever was. Yeah. Um, especially in the media. Um, and so I think that has put all the athletes that have come of age right about at this time and start to compete in these international competitions, puts them under a lot more pressure because yeah. they, they want to do well. They want to represent them, represent themselves well and represent their countries well. Mm -hmm. um, and I think while it's great for the sport to have this direction, it also definitely puts a lot of mental strain on these athletes. Yeah. Um, recently, actually, I believe, uh, was it 2021 or 22? I believe it was 2022 where... No, it wasn't because she just competed in the European Championships. I believe in during 2021, um, 
Yana Garnbrett actually had to take a break hmm. from all of her bouldering championships, mainly because she stated that she was feeling a lot of pressure, especially after the Olympics, to do well. Um, and it's interesting, like, especially, especially, I can't imagine, like, how much pressure it is to be, like, one, like, your sport's first time in the Olympics, plus you are, like, the greatest female climber in the world, um, Trace, because obviously, um, for those of you who are kind of new to climbing, and sorry, I just bumped my microphone, um, but, um, climbing is such a mental sport, especially once you finally get into the competition scene, you'll find problems, even, like, on easier, uh, easier grades, such as VB and V0, we'll talk about our grades a little bit later in our episodes, um, we'll talk about those a little bit later, but, some of those problems can really throw you in for a whack, even in even if you're kind of like in an older or if you're a more experienced climber. It's so prominent in our sport for women, especially, um, you know, people, those who are new to climbing or maybe starting to get into the intermediate phase where they're facing all these problems and you just get stuck and you're like, why can't I solve this? Solve this. It's, it's very frustrating. Yeah. Um, I, I will add to that. Mm-hmm. I think when we even talk about accident prevention, something mm. I want to really mention and talk about there is like the mental aspect of the sport. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, talking about meditation, talking about mindfulness practices that we can um, use to help protect our mental as well as our physical. So I think that's, yeah. that that will be, I look forward to that conversation. I think yeah, be a good one. definitely. But we just want to give a shout out to all our female climbers, both, um super elite and super not elite you are loved keep climbing climb climb for fun um and don't be afraid to take breaks too from from competing as well um but next off into the men's lead same issue no one sent the men through either um wow this is just a consistent theme of this this but that's also good because a lot of the international climbers have been complaining that the routes are too easy to send interesting and um a lot of even the audience are like i hate seeing like the same climbers get to the top <laughs> um right. i want to they were like i want to see people get right. flushed out early. Want a competition. i yeah. want a competition yeah so um that's definitely a debate that's coming up but for men's lead um i kind of looked at the route um i'm usually not the biggest not the biggest fan of like men's lead but like i usually just don't watch it because as a you know growing intermediate female climber i want to start watching the great female climbers so i can actually get like a good right, idea of what i'm supposed to, to do totally yeah um, but the route featured um, a dyno bouldering start um, and a lot of very big like barn dooring moves where the whole body is meant to move to one side due to physics and relatively small chips for footholds, I noticed. A um, couple really cool things um, about this competition. Um, in gold, we have Luca Potokar from Slovenia, Satscha uh, Lehmann from Switzerland, and Yannick Floe from Germany. Faces and people who we haven't seen in quite a while um yeah i don't think i am actually familiar with any of those names no those are some yeah usually like when we see men's lead or it's even like adam like, andra it's like Ad- <laughs> it's adam andra and yoshiyuki ugata yep. um it's oh who's the other guy there's like one max 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 oh i only know by his like <laughs> instagram there's also alex megos yeah people like that yeah um sure. so yeah brand new faces yeah, um luca awesome. potokar Age 20 um, has participated in over or around 30 IFSC World Championships with only two silver medals before Koper. Um, he's from also Slovenia. Um, so hopefully, thankfully, the Slovenians had one win on their on their home turf. Um, next, Satsja Lemon. Um, he's actually, I, I had to like look this up because I was like, I've never heard of this guy before. Yeah. Um, he's actually the 2020 European champion in wow. lead climbing. So I'm, I'm, I mean, one, I wasn't even into like climbing during like <laughs> during 2020. Yeah. So I guess it's why I kind of like missed him. Um, he's age 24 and has participated in 65 world championships, winning two gold medals and one bronze medal before Koper. So now he gets to add a little silver to the mix. Yeah. And then Yannick Floe, um, age 23, participated in not 59 world championships and had no medals before Koper. Um, good so yeah, good for him. Uh, congrats, Yannick. Um, hope you keep, hope we keep seeing you more. Yeah. It's, and, I think it's great to see new upcoming athletes yeah. in these competitions. Yeah. I have to say like, even a lot of people like who I spoke with before we even filmed this podcast, like JJ Wake had a huge, JJ Wong is our president at Penn State Climbing Club. And he was like, Yanya fell. Like he got, she only got second yeah. place. Seeing like all these new faces taking the podium is 
I wouldn't say like refreshing, but also like, dude, people are catching up. Definitely. Catching yeah, up and it adds sure. to the spice. It's super fun. Um, so yeah, good things are happening in the climbing community. We always love to see some nice and nice and awesome friendly competition. And then one last thing before we move on to our climbing accident highlight of the week. Um, Yoshiyuki Ogata, um, obviously climbed in finals, did a great performance at Koper 2022. Um, but he actually, I noticed the little chalk bag that he was wearing. It is an organic climbing chalk bag. Oh, what's so special about organic climbing, Carolyn? Well, organic is actually not the type, like, you know like how you have, like, organic food. Organic <laughs> is actually not a type of material that is on a, um chalk bag or any other type of material it's actually a um company made yeah. here right in not actually in state college pennsylvania but actually in phillipsburg pennsylvania it's pretty um, close to state college very close it's out. a 32 minute drive i believe um yeah organic climbing is a um brand new not brand new I sh- they've been around since like the 90s but organic climbing is a um company that um, basically features um, hand-sewn products made right here in the USA, and they're 32 minutes from State College. Um, and you'll see, um, especially around um, Penn State University on our IM walls, a lot of people have organic gear. And I just thought it was so cool that this international um, climber from Japan, of all places, was yeah, wearing a, an organic a climbing. Yeah, is representing a yeah. local organization. So if you're a new climber and you're looking to get some gear, I personally have a, um, we're not sponsored by Organic, unfortunately. That would be cool. Organic, you should come sponsor us. <laughs> but anyway, um, I have a uh, bouldering chalk bag from Organic that has like a blue, pink, and maroon like color scheme. Yeah, you and got the bucket. Yeah, I have the bucket. And then I also have chalk a uh, brown and then like baby blue and dark green type uh, chalk bag that I put on like my harness. I personally love their products. Yeah, very um, cool color scheme. Yeah. I don't think any one chalk bag is like the next. It's it's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, they aim to have like a lot of individuality mm-hmm. and art. They're, I think on their website in their About Us section, they talk about how they're inspired by like the underground art scene a lot. Oh, cool. So yeah, um, definitely if you're in State College and you're looking into getting gear that other cl- professional climbers use, I would just say Yoshioki Ogata is wearing an organic chalk bag and to Yoshiyuki Ogata uh I want to say thank you uh for not sponsoring but (laughs) thank you for representing um this this super cool brand that's close to us so arigato gozaimasu um so yeah japanese yeah it is japanese i took japanese Japanese. (laughs) (laughs) i took japanese for five years oh wow that's awesome uh so yeah that should have been your fun fact for today no because you talked about the dogs and i was like i'll talk about dogs (laughs) (laughs) okay that'll be your another fun fact yeah another fun fact next (laughs) time i do it all in japanese so yeah uh overall good stuff in the climbing world happening these days Next up, uh, we want to talk about our climbing accident highlight. Um, This was kind of in the news a little bit, about a month ago, actually. Um, Quote, 80-foot slab wall falls leaves Yosemite climber critically injured, says uh, climbing.com. This poor woman, um, New Zealand student Anna Parsons, has broken nearly every bone in her body, according to the article, following a trad trad fall on Snake Dyke 5.7. And that's in Yosemite National Park, In Yosemite right? National Park. Yeah. It's right next to the Half Dome, I think. Actually, oh, wow. I noted in our notes that the um, the descending pitch for this is actually the Half Dome cables. Mm. So, like, to descend from this pitch, um, you have to go on the Half Dome cables. Because it's 2,000 feet in the air. Or for yeah. international r- listeners, it's um, 603 meters. And it involves eight pitches. So... A couple like backgrounds about us too as well. Um, we have not. Have you trad climbed? I have followed a trad mm. climber. Okay, but I I do not climb trad. Yeah, neither of us climb so. trad. <laughs> trad is very scary. I'd like to get into it, but I yeah, you know, gear's expensive and you need a lot more knowledge and able to yeah to be able to do it safely. Trad climbing is one of those things that you have to learn from someone who you trust. Um, but basically, Definitely. for those who are unfamiliar, trad climbing is where you take pieces of equipment. Um 
either like cams where you have like you squeeze them at one point and they kind of like contract and then when you let them go they expand and you put those in the little cracks you basically use little tools and like really cool engineering to place protection where you would usually place bolts um on a sport route um and if god forbid you fall those those um this is what you call it. Those protections are supposed to protect you from taking a massive, massive fall. Now, because there's some engineering and kind of like physics involved with these cams or with these pieces of equipment, the number one rule of trad climbing is to not fall. Essentially. Which is much easier said than done. Yes, much <laughs> easier said than done. Um, so, yeah. So, Anna Parsons, 21, is recovering in the hospital after a brutal 80-foot fall on August 1st on the Yosemite Ultra Classic, says the article. Um, so Snake Dyke, is, as previously mentioned, 2,000 feet, um, also known as 603 meters, is not a very difficult route. Um, for our Penn State students, if you go to the IM wall, uh, we use the American, uh, American, we use the American, um, grading system that says five, so that's kind of like a vertical to slabby type yeah, issue. Yeah, I think that's called the Yosemite Decimal System. Yeah, the Yosemite, yeah, the Yosemite Decimal System. Yeah. Fun fact. Um. And the easiest grade that I think that we have at the IM wall is a 5.5. Five. I think you're right. 5.5, five, five, yeah. This um, this route is a 5.7. Um, so it's a little bit difficult than the easy, a little bit more difficult than the easiest thing that we have at Penn State. But theoretically, if we probably put this at the IM wall, most people would be able to climb it after a couple tries, after a couple takes. Yeah, and I would say adding mm-hmm. the trad climbing element to it mm-hmm. definitely makes it a bit harder. Yeah. Um, but overall... The move should not in be the grand scheme, too difficult. Yeah, exactly. In the yeah. grand scheme of the Yosemite Decimal System, this is on the lighter end. Yeah, uh, definitely. So continuing on with the, part- with the article, not the particle. Parsons yeah. and her climbing partner, Jack Evans, had arrived in the United States from their native New Zealand just two days before hoping to do a bit of climbing before heading to a foreign exchange programs in Canada. Um, so apparently these guys were very, ex- not very experienced climbers, but experienced climbers. Experienced they've enough done, to be trad climbing in another y- country. Yes, <laughs> correct. Like they've done, they've done a good amount of climbing. They had travel insurance, which we'll get a little bit more into as we cover this article, but they had, they had trad climbed before, but this is not a new experience for them. They had driven to Yosemite from San Francisco on July 31st, climbing the 300-foot Swan Gully 5.6 on Swan Slab um, the day that they arrived at the park. Um, and then they went after Snake Dyke the following morning. So this is very also very common. Um, a lot of y'all may be wondering, like, how do they climb so high? Like, how long is a rope? The average rope is around 70 meters, 40 meters, um, depending on where you buy it from. Um, so what these climbers have to do are called pitches, where at some point... They uh, climb up to a certain point um, on the wall where there's a little anchor system. So two quick draws usually um, facing in opposite directions. That way they provide enough protection so you can actually take opposite off and your opposite baby. Opposite and oppose. <laughs> um, so you clip into those anchors and that essentially is like you're, you're set like there. Anchors are very, very strong and they're very, very well engineered to be able to hold a human body while... If you build them right, that is. If you build them right. Um... <laughs> If you build them right, um, where you're able to then declip from the rope and then basically set it up on a little ledge and then keep climbing. Um, so they basically use the same rope all the way up. It's that they take it off at certain points. Um, so, um, quote, it was raining a little bit before we started climbing, end quote, says Evans. But we gave it a bit and it, we gave it a bit and the sky cleared. Um, they took a look at the f- Evans took weed on the first section with Parsons later tying in for the 5.7 cl- slab crux pitch. So for our new climbers, imagine kind of like triangles. If you don't know what a slab is um, or just kind of any climbing terms, a slab, imagine like a 180 degree plane with a 90 degree mark in the middle. That's like your normal vertical wall. 90 degrees is like your normal vertical if you take that triangle that you create with a 90 degree angle and then make it suddenly obtuse, you now have a slab wall. Uh, whereas if you make an acute angle uh, that's less than 90 degrees, you have an overhung wall. So this is a wall that's actually leaning back, which yeah, probably... Have you ever seen those mountain goats that walk up oh, yeah. dam in that one country? <laughs> that's how mountain goats work. Yeah, yeah. that's a slab um, wall. <laughs> yeah, we, we will be making a lot of mountain goat jokes also <laughs> on this podcast because I love, I love mountain goats. They're, They're like cute. my spiritual animal right now. <laughs> So, basically, this is where the accident gets in. Evans had said that the pitch only had one bolt right before the crux. So, basically, she only had one piece of protection right before the most difficult part of the climb. 
Anna, the injured climber now, started off climbing really strong and then got to a cam in a pocket where she kept going up and to the right, but then she got lost on the route finding, um, Evans continued. Because we both had thought that the bolt would be closer than it was, she eventually managed to find the pitch's sole bolt, clipped it, and made it across the 5.7 slab crux, then pulled into the dike itself. So this is like one of the first pitches um, overall, like... You know, they were a bit confused and do they do mention that the guidebook that they were using was fairly minimalistic. Um, but overall, like this was this was OK. So they keep going. Um, and at this point, Parsons, the injured climber, is over a ledge where her belayer cannot see her. Um, so she's climbing and she did not realize that she climbed past the anchor without realizing it. Quote, by the time that she saw that she skipped the anchor, she was run out around 35 to 40 feet beyond the anchor bolt. She attempted to she attempted to down climb the six feet to the anchor below, but her foot slipped and she took a lengthy tumbling fall of approximately 70 to 80 feet down the low angle slab before Evans caught her on belay. So essentially what happened is Anna is climbing up and she goes past the anchor by around, you know, she goes six feet past the anchor and i think this is where we got confused last night she goes six feet past the anchor and because her bolt this is also a very like not sketchy route but it's a route that like you have to like turn off your fear because as i mentioned before in lead climbing you fall the distance to your last bolt so if i'm lead climbing and if i'm five feet above my clip i will free fall five feet to the clip then i would take in the slack from the rope then the belayer will most likely go up into the air to provide me a soft catch or a hard catch. I don't know, depending on how good your belayer is. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I am finally caught. Usually that's about seven feet. We're talking about someone who goes 35 to 40 feet beyond their last part of protection. Down climbs about six feet, slips, falls. Falls 35 to 40, 30 feet. Let's, let's estimate 30 feet. And then the slack in the rope gets taken out. Then her belayer goes up. This totals to around 70 feet, and she finally falls on the, I think she fell on the ledge. Yeah, um, to, to what I was understanding with this, it's that her her fall kind of down that slab portion, because mm-hmm. it wasn't a free fall mm-hmm. in midair, given that it was a slab, mm-hmm. uh, all the times that she would be, I guess, tumbling down that wall, for lack of a better term, mm-hmm. uh, is where she sustained most of her, her injuries. Correct. Um, so yeah, at this point still, they can't see each other, which is also a big no-no that we're going to be talking about in future episodes about how, you know, dangerous outdoor climbing can be. But Evans, her climbing partner says, quote, but we were still in vocal contact. And, um, she was sort of dangling on this low angle slab and I could tell that she was in an immense amount of pain. So she did fall on the slab, um, fall on a ledge, excuse me. So, um, they analyzed the situation and they were very lucky. They actually did have cell service. And they were able to call Yosemite Search and Rescue, and they got her out of there. Um, and actually, one of the greatest things that Parsons did out of all of this um, was wearing a helmet. If yes. she had not worn a helmet, I'm, this is not like, this is not like, in the article, this is just my personal opinion, she probably would have died. Yeah, I think, probably. I mean, having head protection is super important mm-hmm. in all adventure sports, but in climbing especially, mm-hmm. due to the fact that the medium that we are, we are climbing on are hard rocks yeah hard not, rocks you know um, very forgiving to the to the noggin no <laughs> yeah if any of y'all like even like if you've just lightly like banged your head like on a piece of wood like i don't know like walking do underneath you go the around door. banging your heads on wood no 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 <laughs> but i do have a loft bed and it's only like four foot yeah. like 10 so like sometimes if i'm going under it i'll forget to like lower my head because sure. i never have to do that and i'm just <laughs> but imagine like that's like hardcore rock and you're also going into it at like 10 miles per hour per se i mean yeah you're yeah. you're falling so mm-hmm. that's it's probably more like if you're falling but like for 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 the light and imagine if your head goes into a piece of rock at 10 miles per hour yeah, that's not nice you're, you're not you're so, not moral yeah. of the story wear your helmet wear, wear your helmet wear kids. your helmets yes <laughs> and we'll be talking about that more um but unfortunately um every other bone in anna's body other than her head was broken um, the article cites that she has an artificial vertebrae put in and they had to fuse quite a bits of her bits of her spine. And um, she also smashed her fibula. She uh, fractured about half a dozen ribs. She has a broken pelvis, a punctured lung, five broken toes on her right foot and significant cuts to her face and body. 
and a lengthy list of other injuries. Mainly um, the fact that she also opted to have her left foot amputated as well, which is really... Uh, that's intense. That's intense, yeah. Um, the article states that her left foot was shattered and the talus bone was also missing. And it was ripped out during the fall. And even, quote, it was probably left somewhere on the mountain, said Ben. Ben is Anna Parsons' brother. And the doctors, this is also Ben talking, the doctors told her that uh, without it, her foot was damaged beyond repair. She could opt to have the foot fused, but she'd only be able to walk with a severe limp for the rest of her life, much much less hike, run, surf, or climb. So instead, she chose to have her leg amputated halfway between the knee and ankle. This would allow her to gain some mobility after being fitted with a prosthetic. Um, and it is common, um, actually, we should mention today that there are actually amputee climbers, which we will be talking mm-hmm. about in future yes. episodes. Um, the Paralympic climbing community is alive and well. <laughs> yes, they are alive and well. So hopefully, like, hopefully once Anna, like, if she can, like, heal to some degree, maybe she'll go climbing again. But right now, it's just, it's a really, poor girl has a really long way to recover. Um, so yeah, the article just pretty much goes about, um, how she's very injured. Um, there is a GoFundMe, I believe, set up by her sister. Um, unfortunately, her travel insurance only covers a small portion of her medical bills. And because this accident did not happen in New Zealand, where there is like a no-fault personal injury insurance that will cover like almost everything, she's had to pay almost everything out of pocket. And her bills have already exceeded over a million dollars. So we will be leaving the GoFundMe, um, if we can find it, in the description of this podcast available on all should be available on all of the um, all the things, all of the all the distribution, all the platforms, all the platforms. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, if you feel um, obligated or kind of like inspired to donate to her cause, um, we you will have that option uh, given to yeah, by us. Definitely. But yeah, Emma, what do you think about like this whole situation? Because we were talking about this last night when we were hanging out. Yeah, I think reporting on climbing accidents like this is important, mm-hmm. just so that listeners and people who want to hear about them can understand why things go wrong mm-hmm. and maybe how to prevent that you know talking from a risk management standpoint yeah um it is inevitable mm-hmm. that climbing has risk in it given mm-hmm. that you know it's not like you're just walking down the sidewalk you're you know dangling from ropes yeah. kind of high up on hard surfaces so mm-hmm. i think going into climbing with the mindset that you know things could happen but yeah. also understanding that if you're prepared well and you are trying to be um as good at mitigating risk as possible um you should be hopefully good to go Mm -hmm. yeah um and we were kind of talking about like last night like obviously we would like to say that none of this is anybody's fault exactly but this also does go to say that like when you are climbing even indoors you must 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 like be cognizant of what is going on around you you must be cognizant if you're climber is doing a back clip or a z clip especially like in lead climbing or sport climbing like you must be cognizant like if your climber it has leg entrapment or if they're you know doing things like doing riskier things that can probably be done other ways you have to be cognizant like as a belayer like if you're belaying with an atc that like if your hand slips or if you panic and you for some reason let go your hand is not on the brake strand and you're gonna you know like you have to be like you have to realize that like the life of your climber is in your hands. Yeah, I, I mm-hmm. would say, and to add to that, a big part of climbing is knowing your limits. So yeah. Mm-hmm. There's no point in faking what you know because mm-hmm. that doesn't help anybody. Yeah. It's, it's important to be honest about what you do know and what you don't know. And if you don't know things, then ask questions. Yeah. I've always found the climbing community to be very receptive to questions and mm-hmm. to people who are learning. Yeah. So it's always better to ask questions than not know what you're doing and something potentially happening exactly yeah and also like even if you don't have anybody to ask questions don't do it like right if you don't know what you're doing don't do it yeah better yeah better safe than sorry although climbing is dangerous yes climbing is dangerous but like be less dangerous exactly be less dangerous yeah there are things that you can do to make climbing less dangerous but there's always there always is that level of danger even like when bouldering when you're only like six feet off the ground for sure you know um so yeah unfortunately um you know, the Anna, I don't think, was paying attention and just missed the anchor. And then, you know, things, like, sh- like stuff happens, you know. Um, obviously, like, I'm not going to sit here and blame her for the slip. But I am going to be, like, how did you miss the anchor of all things? For sure. Um, yeah. And not only that, but, like, was there any better way that we could have positioned that belayer to so that way they can actually see you? So that way he can actually see you. Yeah, one thing that we can talk about later, especially with trad climbing. Mm-hmm. 
given that multi-pitching pitches in in climbing and in track climbing tend to have that element of you not being able to see your partner Mm -hmm. there are a lot of great technologies out there such as rocky talkies yeah which are Mm -hmm. a fancy way of saying walkie talkies for rock climbing yeah uh, (laughs) that you can use to communicate with your partner because communication is super important especially Mm -hmm. when you're outdoors given that yeah a lot a lot more things could go wrong yeah in, in a controlled gym setting yeah, a lot of things can go wrong in a gym setting, but especially like outdoors, bro. Thankfully, like thankfully, like by the grace of God, they had like Yosemite Search and Rescue totally. in there within thirty mm-hmm. minutes. I believe the article mentions. Yeah, that's um, awesome. So yeah, that's our daily climbing, our weekly uh, climbing accident stories. We'll be having those every week when we have our sections, just to promote risk risk awareness and risk management, um, and remind y'all that climbing is dangerous and you should try to not die. So now on to the meat and potatoes of this episode. Yeah. Dude. So climbing journeys. Oh yes. And when Carolyn says meat and potatoes, you know, I I read over these these <laughs> notes for this episode saying I was like, Carolyn, what do you mean by meat and potatoes? Are we gonna talk about food here? Um, I mean we're just obviously not actually meaning out. that, but this is the good chunk of what we're talking about here is yeah. our climbing journeys and why we're kind of doing this and where we're coming from, mm-hmm. where we're going, all that, all that fun stuff. Yeah, exactly. So we're going to be talking, talking about like how we started climbing, like what, what excites us about climbing um, and just kind of like going off where we started. Um, for me personally, I grew up in a small, small city called Easton, Pennsylvania. Um, and I grew up doing uh, marching band and the musical theater. And as I was kind of doing like the um, like the whole college touring process, I toured NYU because NYU is one of the most famous film schools of all in the United States, mainly producing George Lucas, who directed Star Wars. And at one point, I don't even know if this is like a real memory or just kind of like a, one of those things that like your memory embellishes stuff. <laughs> but I was walking in like the wreck building, I think. And um like, they had, like, a little climbing suite that was, like, surrounded by glass. And you could see, like, all the climbers go up, like, in that climbing suite. And I was like, oh, wow. Why yeah, it's, like, another climbing? world, right? Yeah. Um, and I also, like, I was that kid. Like, if you ever took me to, like, a mall or a fair where they had, like, a rock climbing wall, I was always. Oh, you were on that thing. I was on. I <laughs> begged. I begged my parents for $10. Like, always. And I always made it to the top. No chalk. Nice. No aid. Nothing. Um, but I ended up leaving high school with a lot of regrets and my biggest one was never participating in a sport hmm. as maybe because I was so busy with musical theater and, um, band and also I, I just had a bunch of other personal stuff going on in my life. I just had no time for a sport and also like it was too late for me at that point. Hmm. And I always had issues with weight and living like a very, like a really unhealthy lifestyle in regards to like, you know, my health throughout my life even like as young as like seven years old like doctors were like why is your cholesterol so high and i was like i like chicken nuggets like <laughs> you know? chicken nuggets are good have you had those dino shaped chicken nuggets oh miss girl <laughs> those that was my th- i i kill i would kill somebody for those dino nuggets dino today. nuggets are awesome dino nuggets are really good um in moderation yes everything in moderation <laughs> everything in moderation yes but um i came to penn state university park in my second year of college um due to covid and I immediately wanted to try out the IM the IM wall. And um, after like the first day of school, after I was so obsessed with climbing, and I would often like skip my classes just to go to the IM wow, wall. Wow, look at you! I never yeah, did that. I was one of those people. I was one nice. of those dirtbags. <laughs> <laughs> but I ended up having to take a leave of absence um, right before my spring semester due to McCl- uh, declining mental health after a traumatic family emergency and after that emergency my declining health caused me to gain around like 20 pounds in a little less than a month and um I knew that like if I didn't it got to the point where I was like I was like so like this is bad and I was like I knew like if I didn't change something in my life that I was going to end up in the exact same position as uh, my father who kind of like was the whole cause of the family emergency if not worse and I didn't want to end up like that and I knew the Boulder Bowl was coming up. I think it was what, like February fourth. Yeah, it's yeah. it's early early, early February. spring semester. Yeah, early spring semester. And I w- I didn't even know if I could if I was a student like because I, I wasn't a student, so I didn't know if I c- could participate. But I just paid the twenty dollars and I was like, I'll try it. Like you know, so I trained off my butt for like four weeks. And while I was taking my leave of absence, I decided to get a full time job at the Chick Fil A over here in State College, and I would work like a seven or eight hour shift. And then go home, change, and then take the the V bus all the way to um, the IM building, train for like train weightlifting for like an hour, 
climb for an hour, do whatever I had to do, and then would try to like get my sleep like under control. And I just like put all of like my energy and into training and trying to get better both physically and mentally. And then at the comp, I left no crumbs, no crumbs <laughs> on the table. I was so like I was I it was a red point competition. So for those of you who don't know, like red point competitions, instead of having the traditional like men's one, women's one, men's two, women's two um, type vibe, it was just like a whole new wall of boulders, boulder problems. And you had to solve as many as you could in your category or else, you know, nothing or else like, you know, you would lose. You, you had like points that accumulated mm-hmm. with yeah. each one. I was so like exhausted. I think I went up to you afterwards. I think I like tried one last border for the last time and I like f- f- crumbled on the <laughs> and you're like, you really left it out there, bud. Yeah. I was like, yeah. yeah. Carolyn is definitely <laughs> known for putting in 100% effort. That All is for time. sure. All the time. All of the time. <laughs> All of the time. Oh, yeah. Um, so yeah, after that comp, um, I actually came in last place and, um, but I was like, after that, like the training and the working out, like just became very like routine in my life. And since January of uh, 2022, I've actually lost like 30 pounds. Nice. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. So I'm probably like, good health- on you. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm probably the the healthiest I've ever been in terms of lifestyle and like just eating. Yeah, isn't and that empowering too? Knowing that you yeah. can take control of your health and yeah. your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's awesome. And um, I'm still like, I still have some issues with like some of the addictions that I developed like very on- early on in January. But overall, like the good habits, like my brain is so itching to go back to climb because I haven't yeah. been able to climb because it's my it's, first. It's three like weeks. a healthy drug. Yeah, it's a very you know? healthy drug. <laughs> um, actually, in Jar- Charles Duhane's book, um, "The Power of Habit," which I actually read good between February, January, and March, yeah, like he talks about how good habits can still, as long as you develop a habit, they will stick, yeah. good or bad. Um, so yeah, I know once team starts, I'll be able to get back into like the motions and stuff and everything. But I just haven't been able to climb because of work and because of school. The whole shebang. Yeah. So yeah, Emma, what about you? What is yeah, your climbing journey? My climbing journey is definitely a bit different than that. I have been climbing for about five years now. Um, shout out to Martha Lieberman in 10th grade. Shout out. To, for uh, introducing me to this beautiful sport. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm from I'm from Maryland, Baltimore, Maryland. Maryland. Um, and my home gym was Earthtrex in Timonium for any, any local, any local listeners you might have heard of Earthtrex. Um, yeah, I basically had a friend in high school that I became friends with due to our mutual love of hiking in the outdoors, and she she went climbing in, in this gym that I thought was pretty cool. Um, and I had, you know, been to the gym a few times when I was younger just for, you know, your classic climbing birthday parties and, you know, things that kids would do uh, as they get older, mm-hmm. and... At that point, I was fully engulfed into the competitive soccer scene. So I have played soccer mm-hmm. basically since I could walk. And I was yeah. I was very set on playing soccer in college. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, around sophomore year when I met Martha, when I when I started going to the gym with her, I realized that the competitive soccer scene was not what I wanted in my life. It didn't bring me the happiness that I wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and being in the gym all the time and, and starting to 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 go to the gym more and see what that world was like. I mean, I just fell in love with it. It was much more my speed. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I off to Earthstrex. I went that that first time, um, watching my friend Martha, um, you know, climb her way up the mm-hmm. plastic walls in the gym. <laughs> um, and then once that followed, I bought my own belay device, the Petzl Verso, and a nice orange carabiner. Um, a blue and gray black diamond harness. Oh, the, like you got like the starter pack. Oh yeah. The, oh the, the boy. Full starter pack, and then I had the the classic beginner uh, Evolve Electra shoes. Oh boy. <laughs> the flattest climbing. The shoes flattest on the market, things on the but planet. They they did me good for sure. Yeah. Um. And yeah, like I said, the more I frequented the gym, I just began to fall in love with all of it. How mm-hmm. the holes looked on the walls. How the gym smelled when you walked in. Mm-hmm. It always smelled like gym chalk. Always. No matter, always. No matter dude. what level of the gym you were on, it always smelled the same. Mm-hmm. Um, and being an outsider of the climbing community at that point, it always looked like there was such a tight knit community that comes with climbing, and I I wanted to be part of that. And it just looked like such great people and such great times at mm-hmm. the gym all the time. Um, and you know, when I, when I look back on this time in my life, when I was first getting into climbing, yeah. I, I remember constantly having this thought of, I can't wait till I know everything about this sport mm-hmm. until yeah. I can, you know, sit here and talk about it with someone mm-hmm. else and teach it to other people. Yeah. Um, you know, five years in now, 
I do realize that I certainly don't know everything about the sport, but mm-hmm. I know infinitely more than I did, you know, when I was that new little rookie in the climbing gym, um, you know, wide eyes and all. Mm-hmm. Uh, wow. Yeah. And so <laughs> due to just, you know, learning all these new things about climbing and, and just being in the world for the past five years, um, it has become such a big part of who I am. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Climbing is taught me so many important lessons mm-hmm. you know how to how to never give up when you're yeah. on something hard carolyn oh, yeah. knows that one for sure oh yeah never giving up when things are hard or daunting Woo. um it it really has taught me the importance of of knowing your stuff and mm-hmm. being open and being honest when you don't know what you don't know and and mm-hmm. not trying to you know fake it till you make it mm-hmm. but in the sense that you would then endanger others in the process right mm-hmm. um so knowing your facts, checking your facts, yep. planning ahead and preparing, climbing has taught me all this. Um, mm-hmm. But most importantly, this community is where my friends are. It's yeah. where my heart is. Um, I have I feel very fortunate in the fact that we have such a great community of people mm-hmm. here at Penn State who climb very open and supportive and encouraging everybody. Um, and I say this wholeheartedly when I say that climbing really is a part of who I am and I don't yeah. know who I would be without climbing. Mm-hmm without climbing in my life and um yeah just just feel very lucky to have stumbled across this sport back in 10th grade so thank you martha yeah. thanks shout this out is, to martha this is for you <laughs> martha's you were here because of martha <laughs> yeah um dude i really like what you said about like how like when you first got into it, like you couldn't wait to learn everything about it like i had the same very same similar experience where like i remember um i would like research like kim giant a lot mm-hmm. and like how i i oh my god i was obsessed with like her triangle theory where like everything that she would do she would always build triangles as she went to like stabilize like her balance and stuff i did a lot of re- research on yanya and just mm-hmm. like how like how much power endurance she had i did a lot of research on adam andra and like just the power scream the power scream <laughs> i do the power scream unfortunately <laughs> um what else who else did you research i did i did a lot of research research on uh magnus midbow mm-hmm. um and just like seeing like like how how strong someone can be or like even like brooke rabbit like brooke rabbit is so short um that is true yeah, yeah. so like She's being a smaller climber that's for sure yeah and i'm also a smaller climber i'm five foot yeah you know and also laura regora is like another person who i'm getting into as well um researching all these people and just like learning about like what they did in order to be successful is so interesting and i totally like i totally understand where you're coming from uh regarding that um but yeah so now now we're here what does climbing look like for the both of us what about you carolyn i know you definitely more in the world than you were a year ago (laughs) so your i mean your your progress just from the time i've known you has been very exponential you've kind of very exponential kind of just hit the ground running which is different than my case. My mm-hmm. it's taken me about five years to get to where I am, and it's, it's yeah. been more of a slow progress. But for yeah. you, it's, it's been. I mean, from my view, pretty fast, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not at as exponential as some people who are also in the room with us. Our our president JJ is also in the room with us. He's snooping. He's snooping. He wants to be a crag gal. And <laughs> he's, he's um, JJ's had like super exponential. Like JJ, you got to come on the show at some point. But um, but yeah. <laughs> JJ, like, has had super exponential progress. But even, like, for me, like, I'm starting to finally break, like, the 510 and V3 zone. Yeah. I will. That's so interesting yeah. that you mentioned that. We should uh, honestly have, a like, a discussion about this in another should. episode. Because we should. It, like, the famous, like, 510 to 511. Like, mm-hmm. that, that 59 to 511 jump is, so hard. is the jump from beginner thinking to you know what you're doing to knowing that you know what you're doing yeah. kind of thing. 100%. That, that, that jump hits everybody and, mm-hmm. and w- once you get to the upper tens transitioning into that 11 for me that was the hardest part yeah. of getting to where i am at climbing 100 percent, me too um but after like the whole like working working full-time i was like very determined to go back to school like i knew like you know working full-time in fast food was definitely not for me um so i still hung out with y'all in the climbing club and my, mm-hmm. my training here throughout the spring and summer um and I decided to run for the e-board positions for the climbing club, then the climbing club. Um, and I ended up with the position of secretary and just kind of like, I was like, I- I've seen some, some good secretaries like from my other clubs, but like, I'm not going to be an organized, but still. <laughs> so here I am. 
Um, we're climbers. I don't think. Yeah, none of us of really know what we're doing. We're <laughs> <laughs> but we really like pulled together. Yeah. And um, for those of you who are maybe listening from other universities, Penn State Climbing Club has been trying to get a team, a club sport team, for the past what four four years, five uh, years. Actually, it's only been two years. Two years. So sorry, we've only had. Well, I guess this would be we're we're going on year three now. Yeah, but it's certainly not been an easy process to get this going. Yeah, no. Um, our previous predecessors failed. What did they fail twice? Yeah, I think yeah. Ad- administration just was not having it. Yeah, like, no matter what they did. Um, and we were the third go, third time's the charm. And um, our president JJ absolutely like blew it out of the park with his presentation to um our board of trustees and club sports that we were finally able to um, become a club sport. So now instead of climbing club, we are now club climbing. <laughs> um, so it, I've been so fascinated with climbing since the 2020 Olympics. And I know a lot of students here also wanted the opportunity to compete instead of just Boulder League in the fall and Boulder Bowl in the spring. Um, so now we've helped cultivate that option and we're hoping to leave it in good hands. So that way everybody co- who comes after us is also able to co- cultivate that same um, that same community of wanting to compete and also wanting to improve and such. Um, what about you, Emma? What's climbing like for you? Yeah. So when I came to Penn State, my freshman year was the COVID year. That was everybody's that was, freshman year was, was the COVID year. We were in the same grade. Yeah. That was <laughs> that was a that was an interesting year, and yeah. I, you know, initially got involved with the climbing community here because. Mm-hmm. I reached out to our local adventure center on campus, Outdoor yep. Adventures, and Woo! literally just asked them, how can I get involved with the climate community here? Um, mm-hmm. That led to me being fortunate enough to get a position on the executive board going into my sophomore year as mm-hmm. treasurer. Woo! Yeah. And, you know, being having a leadership position in the community has been such a a gift in my opinion I'm, mm-hmm. I'm I feel very lucky to be able to to be a spokesperson for the mm-hmm. people in our community yeah um and that it, like you know also comes down to getting this club team started mm-hmm. um there has been a lot of interest in our community over the past couple of years to get a team mm-hmm. um and for the longest time the Penn State administration it just didn't really work out yeah that we <laughs> you know saw things eye to eye mm-hmm. um but I think you know, there's my and my there's my belief that there's divine timing to everything, and this yeah. is definitely one of those. Yeah, you know, you and like, I kind uh, of came yeah. of age and mm-hmm. and you know, kind of came into these positions right when this team was was ready to happen. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, and so I just love to have the ability to to use my leadership and, and use my love for climbing to help mm-hmm. other people in our community and, and to, 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 to grow the sport beyond, um, you know, what it is right now. So. Yeah. Same here. And it's also been really humbling to like, even though like we're starting the, the team, I've also had to reach out to multiple, you know, climbers who are way more experienced than I am. Like, uh, for example, like Maggie Bupp or Gavin Bassler or Devin Ike, I, I forget how to say Devin's name, uh, Devin's last name, yeah. but like, you know, reaching out to all of these climbers who are a lot more experienced than me and just kind of being like, hey, what's your experience? Like, how can we do things like training or even like listening to Danny Gerhardt, like our coach, like talking about climbing? Um, it's been such like, a fascinating and like eye opening experience, not only like, even though I'm so new to the sport, like understanding like how the climbing community works how to properly like do things and yeah how there's to, there's yeah. more to climbing than just climbing yeah in my exactly opinion, climbing is a lifestyle and there are mm-hmm. ethics around it and you know the longer that you are in the community the more and more those things kind of come naturally to you and so mm-hmm. i think you and i are now able to kind of set the tone for what that's going to look like for this team given yeah. that we this is the first year this is our inaugural year right yeah as, as pretty much <laughs> And so we I, I think it's pretty here. cool. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it's pretty cool that we kind of get to set the tone for what this team is going to look like moving yeah, forward. Yeah, 100%. Um, but other than that, what is climbing looking like for you? Have you done outdoors? Have yeah. You done outdoors so stuff? I'm glad that you put this on our, on our note sheet <laughs> here because I will talk about outdoor climbing all day. Um, <laughs> climbing outdoors is actually my favorite way to climb. Um, I find outdoor climbing to be kind of like the culmination of all of your skills and Mm -hmm. all of your knowledge that you have um but it also gives you the ability to connect 
to what I think is climbing in its most natural state. Yeah. And then kind of how it was honestly intended, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, rock climbing originated from climbing rocks. Yeah. You know, the mountains were there before the plastic gyms were there. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, and so while indoor climbing is such an important pillar stone in our community, mm-hmm. I have found a lot of solace and a lot of peace and presence through climbing outdoors mm-hmm. because I find that it connects me back to the natural world. It connects me back to how climbing mm-hmm. kind of started and how it was, you know, intended initially to be, to be, to be done. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Climbing outdoors. Love it. Best way to climb. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I will say there is a big accessibility issue. Yeah. Within climbing. Mm-hmm. I mean, gym memberships alone get pricey, but mm-hmm. then the knowledge gap, the, mm-hmm. The financial equipment. gap that you're going to need to buy all the equipment to go outdoors. Travel. It mm-hmm. is not. It is not by any means very easy to get into outdoor climbing. No. Yeah. Um, which is you know why five years in, mm-hmm. I, I've just finished up my first full year of outdoor climbing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, like I said, I love it, but I, I do think that within our community we can start having ways to support those who might mm-hmm. not be able to to pr- provide the gear that they would need to go to yeah. us, but, but they're still interested in getting into it. So. Yeah. And some, one of our local gyms around here, Climate Nate, has actually started that process mm-hmm. of teaching and having more clinics on how to do gym to crag. And we'll get more into that hopefully soon. Um, I'm hoping to bring Mike on the show at some point oh, cool. or even Kat. Um, but yeah, like, you know, it's starting to become more accessible because it's so popular. So it is getting better, but yeah, you're totally right. Um, it's really hard to access, especially like on the financial end um me personally climbing outdoors like that scares the shit out of me but (laughs) like i also really love it like it's so challenging to not be able to see like the holds that you have to use or like um yeah that's funny you mentioned that that mm -hmm. is you know being a trip leader and getting to guide outdoor trips oh yeah that's that's the biggest thing i noticed my participants saying is that Mm -hmm. where are the holds like yeah you know they're not brightly (laughs) you have to like yeah what people will you're like where do i go it's not the neon pink hold on the wall that's very easy to (laughs) see right (laughs) that doesn't that doesn't happen naturally the yellow uh mouth hold or the baby face right exactly yeah baby supreme (laughs) exactly exactly uh so yeah um so yeah um Last thing we're going to talk about um, for kind of like, you know, to put a nice little bow on this whole thing is what do we hope for climbing will do for us in the, in the future? Man, that's a big one. <laughs> Why don't you start that, Caroline? Well, I collect um, my thoughts. For me, one, I think, you know, having the position to be able to help lead this club is one, like a very like good leadership experience, you know, thing to to have. It's a great resume builder um and it's just like overall it gets you like those real both people skills and actual practical skills that i will eventually need in the real world as a film major you can't expect to write a movie or even i don't really want to get into directing but like it's it's important to like when you're on like a movie set to have some type of leadership experience because you have to in a lot of cases lead yourself in order to go and do those things um that are needed on a set so i'm really hoping that and it'll help guide me in that area and be able to get more confidence and like what I know, like, you know, how, like, like I know myself or like if I know like what to do with something else or if I know like how to get, like get the confidence to go ask questions if I need to, even if the people who give them like, you know, might not be the nicest, you know? Um, and I'm also like still hoping to like keep like, you know, getting a better lifestyle, um, getting better mental health and doing all those cool things. I'm not sure if I want to be a professional athlete. Um, I don't think so, but I would like to kind of work a lot in the climbing sphere. I'm starting to wonder, like, if climbing movies will start to become their own genre. Because especially with the documentary Free Solo um, featuring Alex Honnold, I believe directed, produced, and cinematography by Jimmy Chin. I'm not sure if he has all yeah, those and, titles. Uh, I believe her name is Elizabeth Traverse. Oh, yes. Elizabeth. His yes, his uh-huh. wife. Yes. Um yeah, like I would really love to get into that circuit one day. So does that entail professional climbing? Adventure photography. Adventure photography. Not geo. Come at your girl. <laughs> um, but yeah, hopefully stuff like that. Like it can open a lot of doors potentially. What about you, Emma? Yeah. Oh uh, gosh. I mean, hope for the future. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, given that I want to base my life kind of around wildlife conservation and mm-hmm. what that might look like. I know anywhere that I'll be where there are animals, there's likely hopefully some mountains to also some climb. Crags. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. You know, the more and more I think about 
what climbing has given me in my life i want to give back to climbing yeah. and i and i want to i want to specifically give back to the community and and help educate others mm-hmm. on on how to get into this beautiful sport because i think it's it's such a great part of life and more people should have access to it and mm-hmm. so hopefully through things like this podcast and through running our club team here mm-hmm. and and trip leading through outdoor adventures i We'll hopefully be able to share my love of this sport and the outdoors with other people mm-hmm. so that we can we can make climbing more accessible. I think that's that's, that's the goal. An important uh, an, an important thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, who knows where where climbing will take me. But, mm-hmm. you know, as I've been saying over and over again, it's 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 a, it's who I am. And so I think yeah. where where climbing is is where my heart is. And so I think mm-hmm. I don't know what that's going to look like you know in my future but it definitely will be a part of it that's that is for sure you know (laughs) we are out here yes (laughs) (laughs) so yeah overall though that wraps up our discussion for today we talked about um kind of like who we are as climbers we talked about climbing news in the world going on mainly talking about cobra 2022 we talked about the horrible accident regarding um anna parsons in yosemite and um, like I mentioned before, hopefully we'll find the GoFundMe link and we'll link it in our descriptions on all of the platforms. So if you feel compelled to donate to her cause, you're more than welcome to. We talked about our own climbing journeys and just how like we've kind of like progressed over time. So overall, um, we're hoping to see you all next time. Let's get that rolling. Let's get it. Um, but yeah, if you're interested in keeping up tabs with us, you can follow um, Penn State's uh, club climbing page at p- uh, psu.com climbing.club and um you can follow our instagram there uh we're gonna have a twitter for crag gals as well if you're also interested in learning a little bit all on like about us you know keep listening in the future um crag gals is available on all podcast platforms like spotify itunes um i believe i'm trying to also get on iHeartRadio as well um so yeah uh, we'll be around and um so yeah Um, Thank you guys so much for watching us. We really appreciate it. And we'll hope that you'll stick around for our journeys in the future. Thank you. Keep on climbing. Woo! Oh, wait, wait, wait. We got to say the thing. We got to say... What is the thing? Dude on rock. Rock on, dude. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, guys. See you next week.